we pray. Father God, thank you uh, for your word that you speak to us. Your word is like a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We pray you would speak now as we consider these words that Jesus spoke, that they would be words to each one of us today. For we pray in his name. Amen. Uh, what is the most valuable treasure in your life? The people whose company makes you so, so happy. The possessions or the pastimes that satisfy you the most. The places you go for contentment and peace. Have you got a hold of a treasure like that in your life? What would you give up to get that treasure? Maybe it's a well-deserved promotion at work. You're convinced it will give you the financial security that you deserve and long for. Maybe it's the relationship you feel like you've been waiting for for years. The loved one who is going to make you truly happy. Maybe it's some educational success for your children and all of the different opportunities that that might bring. Maybe uh, you long to own your own home or you just can't wait to improve the one you already have. Maybe the treasure is an improvement in your health or the health of a loved one. Maybe it's simply time to rest and recover from all the stresses and strains of life. Maybe it's something like that. Maybe it's something different. Some sort of treasure that you are yearning for and you cannot wait to get your hands on. <coughs> Jesus knew that we love treasure. He knew that our, heart, our hearts are hardwired for the most valuable things in life. And he also knew all about the most valuable thing of all, the kingdom of heaven. And he wanted the people around him in his own day to value life rightly. And so he told two simple stories about treasure. He teaches them and he teaches us what is truly valuable and he wants us to change our lives in the light of that understanding. We're going to look at those first two parables briefly. Uh, you'll look at the details before we learn the first lesson. So let's enjoy these two little stories. Verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. I suspect this man was a poor man. There he is, ploughing his master's field. It's what he does every single day. And then one day his plough strikes something hard in the ground, and he stops, and he gets his shovel out, and he digs and he digs. And when, he's, when he gets to the bottom, he, he opens it, and he cannot believe his eyes. It's treasure. Presumably it... It legally belongs to the owner of the fields. But he, he couldn't care less about that. He, he cannot let this golden opportunity pass him by. So, so he hides it again with the dirt. Uh, he goes away. He, he, he raises enough cash by selling everything he's got just so he can own that field and then say that that treasure is his. It was a total fluke. He hadn't gone out looking for treasure, but he's won the lottery. He's a rich man. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus said, is like that. But it's also like this, verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. So if the first man was poor, the second man is almost certainly rich. He is a successful treasure hunter. He has devoted his life to searching for the best pearls 
on the market. And I, I guess he's probably got a pretty big trophy cabinet at home. And then one day he finds one pearl that puts all the other pearls in the shade. And he thinks to himself, if I've got to liquidate everything I've got just to get that, then that is what I'm going to do. It wasn't a fluke. It was the culmination of years and years and years of searching. And now nothing else compares. He has got his hands on the most valuable treasure in the world. Two men who both give up everything to get the one thing that is worth more than anything else. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like that. Takes us to our first lesson today. Supreme kingdom value means any sacrifice is worth it. Supreme kingdom value means any sacrifice is worth it. Jesus has already spoken about treasure, actually, in Matthew's Gospel. Back in chapter 6, uh, he spoke these words. He said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. But seek first your heavenly Father's kingdom, and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Are there some, are there some sermon headings um, for this? Brilliant, thank you very much. See, Jesus knew that the things we value most on earth don't last. People disappoint us. Possessions um, wear out. Opportunities fail to fully satisfy us. Stresses and strains and suffering are often just around the next corner. But the kingdom of heaven, says Jesus, is treasure that lasts. Moth and vermin do not um, cause it to, to wear out and thieves don't break in and steal it. He says, knowing God as our heavenly father never disappoints us. It's truly satisfying. It is a relationship strong enough to endure the severest suffering. It's worth the biggest sacrifice, he says. It's supremely valuable. Whether we find it by chance or whether we spend years looking for it. I think that distinction is important because otherwise, back in Matthew 13, Jesus could have told just one parable, but instead he tells two. Some people, you see, are like the man ploughing in his master's field. They have got no idea they are about to discover the kingdom of heaven. They're not looking for it. And then one day, it takes them totally by surprise. I think of myself at university... I knew nothing about Jesus. And then over the course of 18 months, essentially I stumbled over treasure hidden in a field. Christian friends told me that God loved me. They told me that God had sent Jesus into the world to die for me so I could be forgiven, so I could have a relationship with God as my heavenly father. To begin with, it sounded as mythological and as laughable, frankly, as the idea of buried treasure at the end of my garden. But as I dug deeper, I discovered that it was true that it made sense, that it was supremely valuable, even worth giving my life to Jesus. And I'm sure there are others here who could tell a similar story. The kingdom of heaven took you by surprise. There you were, ploughing the same old furrow in life, and then suddenly along comes buried treasure. You had no idea it was there, but you discovered it. And I'm sure that also we will have friends like that. Maybe they're not here this morning, but at the moment they seem a million miles away from the kingdom. We never, we never know when they will stumble across buried treasure. Let's not give up inviting them to come and join us on a Sunday morning. Let's not give up 
talking to them about our faith. Let's not give up asking them to read the Bible with us. Because any day now, they might discover that the kingdom of heaven is supremely valuable. And they might realise that any sacrifice is worth it to get their hands on it. But others of us and uh, others of our friends are perhaps more like that second man, the pearl merchants. People who are constantly searching, constantly thinking, looking for that one thing that will never let them down. Maybe especially they're trying to think about a way of thinking about life that helps them put all the pieces together. Maybe we have friends like that, uh, philosophical friends, um, ideological, thoughtful friends, people who show a, a hint of spiritual hunger in Jesus. Let's help them see that Jesus' kingdom is the most valuable treasure of all. Because whenever anyone discovers that pearl of great value, they will also realise it is worth making any sacrifice to get hold of it. And if you and I are already part of Jesus' kingdom today, if we've already got that treasure in our lives, well, Jesus says we need to be prepared to keep on making the sacrifices. Because those other things which seem so much more valuable in the present should pale into insignificance when we compare them to the kingdom of heaven. That promotion at work, which we're convinced we deserve, well, maybe it will just take us away from our home life too much, or from church life too much, or put us in positions where we'd be tempted too much to, to go our own way. Maybe the best school is not the best place for our children to thrive as Christians. Maybe the relationship we think is going to make us happy is actually not honouring to Jesus. Maybe the money we could spend on our home improvements could actually be better given away to a Christian cause. Maybe the time we so desperately want for ourselves, maybe Jesus is saying, give that away to serve others. Maybe the sacrifices look like that, and it will be painful to make those sacrifices. But if the kingdom of heaven is supremely valuable, well, any sacrifice is worth it. I wonder, as we think about that today, what sacrifice might the Lord be saying to you and to me that we need to make for him in the days and weeks and months and years ahead? Let's remember that it's always worth it because the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in the field, like the pearl of great value. But it is not only the most valuable treasure in the, in the world, it is also the most relevant reality to our lives. Jesus moved on. Verse 47. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets that threw the bad away. I guess the disciples had done this kind of fishing time after time after time. Basically, they've got a big drag net and they hook up one end of it to one boat and another end of it to another boat and they go across the Sea of Galilee and they catch every single fish in their path and then they get back to the shore and they put the fish out on the beach and they have a pile of good fish and a pile of bad fish. But Jesus says, if you know how to judge between good fish and bad fish, well, Jesus knows how to judge between people too. Verse 49, this is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
Uh, if you were here last week, you'll remember that Jesus explained the parable of the weeds. And uh, his explanation of the parable of the nets is almost word for word the same. But there is a bit of a subtle difference, and I think that subtle difference is important. It teaches us uh, our second lesson today. Final kingdom judgment means morality matters. Final kingdom judgment means morality matters. When Jesus explained the parable of the weeds, he described two futures. He says there's disaster for the wicked and there's glory for the righteous. If you like, it was 50% warning, 50% encouragement. But the parable of the net is 100% warning. Jesus just focuses on God's terrifying judgments on the wicked. He says to, to his disciples then, he says to us today, the way we live our lives really matters because there is such a place as hell. I was uh, driving on this week and I saw a bus advert for the uh, musical Book of Mormon. It said something like this, as funny as hell, only funnier. But of course hell isn't funny. The most loving person who has ever lived spoke about the most awful place in the universe more than anybody else because he was desperate that no one should go there. Now the singer Morrissey sang a few years ago, there is a place in hell for me and my friends, but there are no friends in hell. There's nothing good there. Jesus says it is a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth, intense, unbearable regret. Those who end up there are conscious of their fate and overwhelmed as they think about it. Jesus says, that it is the bad fish, the wicked, who end up there. Well, who are they? I think we're helped. You think about that word bad, it's actually the word for rotten. Jesus has used that word before, back in chapter 7. He says this, let me read to you. He says, every good tree bears good fruits, but a bad tree bears bad fruits. A good tree cannot bear bad fruits, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruits. Every tree that does not bear good fruits is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus by their fruits you will recognise them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Jesus says that the good tree is the person who does the will of his Father in heaven. The bad tree, or the rotten tree, is the evildoer, literally the worker of lawlessness. We've heard lots, haven't we, this week about the Supreme Court. But there is a day coming when Jesus will sit as the Supreme Judge of the Supreme Court. And he'll deliver his verdict on every single human life, based on how we've lived our lives. He'll judge us on the basis of the fruit we produce. Bad fruit, rotten fruit, a life lived and rebellion against God, a life of lawlessness or good fruits, doing the will of Jesus' Father in heaven. Uh, last week I read a verse from Romans 2, and that, Romans 2 verse 8. Let me just quote that again in context, so, just so that we can see the seriousness and weightiness of this lesson. Paul writes, God will repay each person according to what they have done. For those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. But glory, honour and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. 
For God does not show favouritism. Jesus is clear. Final kingdom judgment means morality matters. And that means that the moral quality of our lives in the present is a really serious matter. And the, the Puritan writer John Owen famously said, Be killing sin, or sin will be killing you. You see, tolerating sin in our lives is a really dangerous game. We might think we've got it under control, but it is like a monster ready to destroy us and to send us to hell. Maybe there is something today in your life, and it seems like quite a small thing. Maybe you're conscious that actually it's a big thing. Maybe you've made an excuse for it. But if you're really honest with yourself, you know that actually you're calling the shots, not God's. See, we all need, and I include myself, to examine our lives and think, is there an area of my life where I have just turned away from God, where I'm being lawless? Jesus warns us through this parable to take it seriously, to let's speak to a Christian friend about it, let's pray about it, let's put out all the stops to stop it. Eternity is at stake. And that also, by the way, is why churches will need to speak about morality. Because if immorality is tolerated within the wider church, we might need to be ready to say that that is wrong. Our society might approve of behaviours or bless behaviours. Our churches might talk about blessing those things. But if they're against what God says, we need to have the courage like Jesus did to say there is a future judgement. Morality matters. Let's move on. So Jesus is coming to the end of this uh, block of teaching to the crowds and his disciples He's spoken in parables to the crowds. He's explained things in detail to his disciples. And then before he moves on, he's got one last thing to say. Verse 51. Have you understood all these things? Jesus asked. Yes, they replied. He said to them, Therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. Now, this little parable isn't so much about the kingdom of heaven, instead it's about the servants of the kingdom of heaven. It takes us to our final lesson. Faithful kingdom servants are called to share their treasure. Faithful kingdom servants are called to share their treasure. Jesus' description of his disciples as teachers of the law is quite a puzzle, isn't it? Because as far as we know, none of them were teachers of the law, or, or scribes, which is another word, for a teacher of the law. The scribes, the, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they were usually against Jesus. They weren't on his side, were they? Well, the best explanation of that seems to be that Jesus knows that his disciples are going to replace the Jewish scribes because they are starting to understand his kingdom, unlike the teachers of the law. And so they are going to have the responsibility to teach others about it. And they will do that by sharing the treasure they've discovered with others. Every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. Let me give you a little church history lesson. In the second century there was a teacher called Marcion and Marcion taught a lot about Jesus being saviour but he also rejected the entire Old Testament and the God of Israel. He loved what was new but he didn't like what was old. Marcion was a heretic, I hope you can see that. And uh, his teaching became known as Marcionism. But you see, the Christian faith is full of new treasure 
But the new treasure only makes sense alongside the old treasure. Jesus came to fulfil the Old Testament, all the promises, all the stories, all the laws. He didn't come to erase what has gone before. He came to enrich it. And as his servants today, we are called to share all the treasure of God's word that we have discovered. That is my job as your minister. I'm called to teach you the whole counsel of God, all of the Bible, not just the bits I like and which are easy to preach, but even the hard bits, which I've been very conscious of doing this morning. It's also what God calls each of us to do as his servants, whether we're talking with our friends about our faith or whether we're encouraging each other to keep living for Jesus. We share all the treasure that we've discovered. So we can talk to our friends about the whole Bible. We don't have to be Bible scholars, but, but I hope we could all say something about God being the creator, about God saving a people for himself, about God making promises, about God keeping those promises um, when he sent Jesus. And I think also it means we can share our own treasures. There's only one gospel story, isn't there? God only saves us from hell for heaven by the blood of Jesus shed for us on the cross. But we all discovered that story in different ways. Before we became a Christian, God doesn't just erase all of that and say it's all totally irrelevant. So he calls us as his people to share all that old treasure. Now I know a lot of that old treasure is tarnished and not very attractive, but he calls us to, to share that and to set that alongside his beautiful new treasure that we've discovered in Jesus. So that is exciting because your story of old treasure, new treasure is different to my story of old treasure, new treasure. Let's be ready to share those stories with our friends. I wonder how we would respond to Jesus' question, verse 51. Have you understood all these things? Maybe you say this morning, actually I haven't. If I'm really honest, some of this stuff I find really quite difficult. Well, do come and speak to me or speak to a friend here this morning. So I didn't understand that. Please could you help me? But here are the three lessons I think Jesus is teaching us. Supreme kingdom value means any sacrifice is worth it. What are we prepared to, to keep on, to, to give up, to keep on enjoying being part of that kingdom? And if you're here this morning and you know that actually you're not yet part of that kingdom, what is it that you would need to give up to be part of Jesus' kingdom? What would that sacrifice look like for you? Is it something to do with our career? Is it something to do with a relationship? Is it something to do with our children or our home or our health or our time? It's always worth it, even if it's hard, because supreme kingdom value. The final kingdom judgment means morality matters. Do we understand that? Are we doing everything we can in our life to turn away from sin and to encourage others to do the same, to live for Jesus? And faithful kingdom servants are called to share their treasure. Are we doing that amongst ourselves as a church family? And are we doing that with our friends who haven't discovered the treasure yet? Should have a moment of quiet to, to think and pray by ourselves and then I'll lead us in a prayer.
Have you understood all these things? Jesus asked. Father God, please help us to be people who understand what Jesus is saying to us today. Help us to be people who have good and noble hearts, who are willing to hear his word and listen to him, who are willing to change our lives or even to trust him for the first time because we recognise that he speaks words that we cannot ignore. For we pray in Jesus' name.